The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. I tell you what, friends, I look forward to these Friday weekend shows all week long. We get to go through a week, conquer the week in review, detail upcoming matchups for all these teams. It's also a show where I get to slam promo down your throat. Because you know what? If I'm going to talk to myself for an hour, I should probably be able to also ask you guys to do some stuff. I don't know. In any event, welcome to Fantasy NBA Today, everybody. I'm Dan Bespris. You guys know the drill. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. This show, as so many are around here, a hoop ball presentation. Hoop-ball.com, the website at HoopBallFantasy, is the Twitter news feed. You guys should follow that as well if you are interested in fantasy news as it happens. For instance, as I hit record on today's podcast... The Hoopball Fantasy feed has just let us know that Joel Embiid is probable for the ballgame tonight. Terrence Ross, Evan Fournier, and Aaron Gordon are all out for the Magic for their game tonight against the San Antonio Spurs. Magic going into a little bit of a tank mode here. But anyway, we'll cover a lot of that stuff when we do our look ahead which is kind of the second half of these uh, Friday weekend shows. For those that haven't listened to these before, and this one will be a little bit different, if only because there have only been two days' worth of games since the All-Star break, and not even all 30 teams have played since the break. But you know what? We'll do the best with what we've got, which is review the week that has just occurred, which, again, for our purposes, is one game apiece for most of the NBA, in terms of guys that are automatic ads... Guys that are drops, holds, streamers, and then uh, oh, watch list guys. Those are mixed in there as well. And also, I, I always try to scour for buys and sells for these Friday shows, and I want them to be really good ones, attainable ones. I, I've ranted on this podcast so many times about how one of the laziest things a fantasy analyst can do is just to flip out and, oh, yeah, this guy's a buy low. When you know damn well that, like, 95% of leagues, that guy wouldn't qualify. I, I have such beef with this, and I still see it, although I'll admit, it's happening less now. I don't think it's because of anything I've done. I think it's just that fantasy analysts on the whole are just getting better at kind of being in tune with what more competitive leagues are dealing with. So, like, you're not going to be able to... Uh, buy low on a superstar who has like two bad ball games. It just doesn't work like that. You're not going to be able to sell high on some waiver wire guy who's on a heater. There are psychological elements to this. And so I want to flip some of that stuff into our buy low and sell high segment. Although I'll admit, uh, one of it actually creeps into the, uh, the ads discussion. We also have the very last warning. Today's podcast is the last warning about the Rate the Podcast contest that we've been running on this show for about two weeks. We've had a lot of really nice submissions. The podcast has seen its number of reviews spike nicely. Remember, uh, end of January, beginning of February, I said something like, you know what I'd like to do? I'd like to get this podcast up and over 600 reviews. 
That was what I wanted to do at that point. And then you guys just went roaring past that mark. And I said, okay, how about 615? Then you blitzed past that. And I said, how about 625? And you guys hit that one. And I said, you know what? Let's do a contest. And now, as of this morning, 654 reviews on the pod. Absolutely fantastic. Thank you guys for all of your hard work on that. These reviews piling up, the nice things you've been writing, there's just the simple fact that there have been so many of them. This is critical for the podcast. And it's not my own, I don't like, I don't derive pleasure out of reading these reviews. I appreciate you guys listening more than anything else. What it does is when people are then searching for shows as next season rolls around, because it doesn't happen that often in the middle of a fantasy season. Like right now in March, there aren't that many people that are trying to find a fantasy show for the first time in NBA season. Uh, As next season's draft window starts to come around, which if we assume next year is starting at the normal sort of late October, maybe they push it back a week or two to November time frame, you're talking about September, October range, when people are Googling or searching, I guess it'd be searching in the podcast app, Fantasy NBA. This is what helps us emerge at the top of the bucket. This floats us up to the top. And so, you know, where, like, we've had Josh Lloyd on the pod a number of times. He has about twice as many reviews as we do. He probably pops up at the top of the list. And then we're scooting in there behind that, which is pretty damn sweet. And I don't think that there's anybody else that's even remotely close to where we're at with this stuff. Also, uh, a lot of NBA fantasy podcasts have missing episodes. They don't do it every day. So thank you. All that to say, thank you for what you've done. This is going to be a huge element to how we succeed going forward. Like, and this is not me picking on anybody other, any other shows. Uh, Rotowire is a huge website. They are bigger than us, and we have almost twice as many podcast reviews as they do. So that's a testament to you guys for doing it when I've asked and doing it happily and nicely, and uh, and I love you for it. So this promo that I'm talking about here, and I promise we're going to get into fantasy sports in about 30 seconds, is last chance. We're cutting it off at the end of the weekend. So on Monday's show, we won't be talking about it anymore. We'll start a new contest on Monday. Rate and review the podcast. Drop a five-star review, write something nice, and screenshot it to me for a chance to win cold, hard gambling cash. We will pick a a winner early next week from the list of folks that have either emailed it to teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com or tweeted a picture at me to at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. So do that now. Do it over the weekend. Last chance. Last warnings here on this show. Let's talk fantasy basketball, folks. I've made you wait long enough here at the front end. Five, six minutes here of nothing. I've been told I have too much crap at the beginning of the show, and so I hit you with that stuff. But some of it was explaining how we're going to handle this Friday show, and so I I do believe that was important. Let's start by diving into ads, because those are easily the most important part. Those are the guys that, in my opinion, will definitely have some kind of impact on your fantasy team, and... You will likely need to move fast if you haven't already done so. And sometimes, you know, we we pull stuff in from previous days just to sort of rehash it. But because of the way the All-Star break's gone, most of this stuff is pretty contemporary. So my ads, I'll start with the injured guys. We did Stash a Palooza on, I think, Tuesday's show. 
right? Is that Tuesday's show this week? I've lost track of when things happen. And four of the guys we talked about out of, I think, the 13, I think it was 13 names that we had on that list. Four of the guys are back already or will be back momentarily. Either they're back or they're expected to be back in their next ball game. Uh, Delon Wright, back for the Pistons, played about half of that ball game. And that number will continue to trend up. It was 22 minutes, actually. He played on, on Thursday. He didn't look that great. He had four fouls. He looked like a guy who hadn't played in a few weeks. Coming back from a groin thing is never going to be easy. He is, uh, as we mentioned, as the starter out there, he was a top 50 fantasy guy. So uh, if you picked him up, if you had him, whatever, if you traded for him, the ride is going to get very fun here real soon. Uh, Aaron Gordon made his return for the Magic. He played just a, a two very short stretches. It was a, a brutal ankle sprain. I think it was probably one of those ones where there was a little more, like there's some slight tearing and what have you. Uh, 14 total minutes in that ball game. He's actually resting tonight, as we hinted at when promoing the Hoopball Fantasy Twitter feed. Nine points, two boards, and a block, and that was fine. I'll admit I do have, I'm, I'm a bit reticent on the Aaron Gordon front, uh, he was a guy I thought was turning a corner after the All-Star break last year, but his percentages have actually been as bad as at any point in his entire career this season. I think those probably come back a little bit, but the thing that worries me is, are the Magic about to go into tank mode? Is Gordon about to get traded? Is Vooch about to get traded? Is Fournier about to get traded? What's actually about to happen on that Orlando Magic team? And tonight... And pivoting here just very briefly to a look-ahead mode, tonight with no Fournier, no Gordon, uh, who the hell else did I just say was out? I gave you three names. Terrence Ross. Thanks, Dan. Uh, Terrence Ross, the other one who went into the All-Star break healthy and came out hurt, these guys could all be gone in two weeks. There's a possibility of that, which is going to leave behind uh, a smattering of... Interesting fantasy players, and then a whole host of guys that are not. There are some obvious ones where, like, say, if Vooch got moved, which seems like it'd be pretty tough because it's going to take, it would take the whole house. You'd have to move the whole house to get him onto another team, and that's not rental stuff. This is a star-level player. But let's say, hypothetically, he is moved. That would leave you a big Mo Bamba-shaped hole, and his fantasy game is actually... Quite robust. Big-time blocks. He can actually shoot the three-ball. He's not that dissimilar, actually, from Vooch. Far uh, worse on the passing end of things, but can rebound like heck. And I know Kem Birch actually played 23 minutes in that game yesterday, but you know if they're really going to go young, they'd sort of have no choice but to go Bamba. And now if Aaron Gordon is traded, I honestly don't know what the hell they do there. Uh, Chuma Okiki probably steps into most of those minutes, he hasn't really shown himself to have the ultimate fantasy lines to this point, but we also don't have a ton of data on him. He's averaging about 22 minutes a game. He's outside the top 250 in that. But also he's played alongside usage guys that would potentially get moved out of the way. So presumably if his minutes went up to 28 or 30, his shots would actually probably move up at a quicker clip then you're looking at a guy who would probably take 10, 11, 12 shots in those minutes instead of 8 or 9. The few times this year that Okiki's played starters-level minutes, and they are, you can count them on one hand, he played 27 minutes in Portland on February 9th, had 2 points, 3 steals, 7 boards, and 5 assists, so actually kind of an interesting game there. 
The next game in Golden State, Magic, remember, were quite banged up at this point. Nine points, three threes in that game, actually. Five boards, five assists, and one steal. And a couple games later in Phoenix, he played 28 minutes at nine points, four boards, one assist, and one block. So I think you're looking at a, not really a 3 and D guy, because they didn't shoot the three ball that much. It's it's more like D and, I don't know, boards and assists, maybe? If Gordon's traded, I probably do pick up Okiki, but he's not a guy that I'm sitting on in case it happens. His fantasy ceiling just isn't high enough right now. If everybody gets moved, you know, Dwayne Bacon had 21 points last night uh, when Orlando lost in Miami. He took 15 shots. He, had the, uh, he and Michael Carter-Williams had the second highest shot totals on the team. Michael Carter-Williams, by the way, he also steps into a giant role if he's not moved. Although, you could also argue if they turn and go super young, then maybe they just yank him out of the starting lineup and go Cole Anthony, who we already saw didn't have a particularly good fantasy stat set so far this year. So there's a lot of weird stuff going on. Chasen Randall, by the way, playing played a lot on Thursday, but he's a guy that would get, I think, bumped back in the pecking order. So with the Magic, because a lot of these backups don't have great fantasy game, I don't think that you need to go out and stash really any of them. The only one I would consider would be Mobamba, but I also think it's the least likely that Vooch gets traded out of almost all these guys because the asking price will be so high. Most likely are guys like Fournier and Gordon and Ross, where I, you know they'll get out from under a contract, they can get a little bit of rebuilding stuff. It's just not happening with this particular iteration. Or does Orlando say, you know what, let's just see what we can do here. We'll try to keep the thing together. Maybe we get Markel Fultz back. We looked okay when before Markel got hurt this year. And uh, see what we can piecemeal together. But keep a real close watch on Orlando is sort of the, the overarching theme here. The other, uh, those are two of the, the four injured guys that I wanted to highlight on today's show. The other two are guys that haven't actually played yet because their teams haven't played yet. One of them is Larry Nance, who you guys know I'm extremely excited about his return. He's not even on the injury report for Cleveland, so he's more than good to go. And the other one, news came out this morning, Friday morning, that Karis LeVert will make his return, not tonight, the Pacers have a back-to-back, but tomorrow on Saturday... Uh, when Indiana is in Phoenix taking on the Suns, the back end of a Lakers-Suns. That's a rough back-to-back. But they'll get Karis LeVert. I have no idea how many minutes he's going to play, but certainly if he was available, hopefully you guys stashed him. I thought he'd be coming back like maybe a week from now. And then the other thing is, this is pretty new. When guys are coming back from knee injuries and ankle injuries and groin injuries, we have a pretty good idea of how they're going to get ramped up in minutes. With Levert, it's not like he's going to do something to make the mass grow back. It's really just about what punishment his body can take, and presumably a lot of that's been sorted out in practices. So yes, there's going to be a conditioning element here, but it's really more about getting his wind than preventing a re-aggravation of something. So it could actually ramp up pretty quick. You will see a minute restriction of some kind here because they don't want to push him too hard and create an injury that wasn't there. But you know, man, you might be looking at only like a week until he's up to mostly starters minutes in Indiana. And this is cool too. Uh, well, I guess it, the, the story overall is just fantastic that, that 
you know, being traded, the, the physical revealed the mass. I mean, it literally could have saved his life. I don't know enough about how far along things were, but it, it literally could have saved his life. What this also does is it it's going to force us to reevaluate how we've been handling our Indiana Pacers. Karis LeVert likely slots in as the starting shooting guard or starting small forward once fully healthy. Pacers also have the opportunity, if they wanted to, to bring him off the bench as a gunner who ends up playing mostly starters minutes anyway, you know, would come in like five minutes into the game, play a seven-minute stint, rest for five or six minutes, and then play the rest of the half. And at that point, you're getting, you do that in both halves, and, and you're getting around 27-ish minutes per ball game that way. Or do they ramp him up, and then does he take the spot of like a Doug McDermott? I, I don't know how that's going to shake out. I think there actually is some advantage to making him part of that bench unit because the starters need floor spacing. Miles Turner can spread the floor a little bit. Uh, Brogdon obviously can shoot the three ball. Justin Holiday shoots the three ball. Sabonis doesn't. He's, he's down in there in the paint. McDermott, he was a floor spacer, and Levert sort of isn't. You know, he's not a great percentages guy. He's not a terrific shooter. Uh, good scorer, good ball handler, facilitator, all of that kind of stuff. And and the Pacers are desperately lacking in that coming off the bench. Uh, it's largely been TJ McConnell lately as your bench facilitator. And that's great and all because he has that sort of fighter's game, just trying to steal everything and running fast breaks all the time. But what about when it breaks down? McConnell's not the guy you want building your offense around and that leads us to our next discussion which is who takes the hit here mcconnell definitely takes some kind of hit although i would argue that jeremy lamb doug mcdermott aaron holiday edwin sumner if you took the minutes those guys played in the pacers last game before the all-star break lamb had 19 mcdermott had 24 sumner had 17 holiday had four that puts you somewhere in the 65-minute range. I, you could very easily shave four or five minutes off of, uh, say, a TJ McConnell and find the rest in those other guys. I don't know. I don't know. McConnell's been so good for them, I don't know how they, they totally pull the plug on what he's done. But yeah, he probably does take a little bit of a hit. Regardless, this is all about Karis LeVert right now. Obviously a big-time must-add guy. Probably not starting him his first game back, but terrific news. My non-injure ads, injure ads, my non-injured player ads for this weekend edition, Kevin Porter Jr., who came right out of the gate, and this surprised the hell out of me. I, I, I thought it was going to be a couple of weeks before we saw him doing stuff, but Houston might just be going into cocoon mode here early. Victor Oladipo played the front end of the back-to-back and was actually quite good, although, uh, no, excuse me, the uh, Victor Oladipo did... I got that part right. Let me slow down my speech patterns here and make sure the right words come out. Victor Lodipo played the front end of the back-to-back. He was not that good. Uh, had some counting numbers, but just shot 7 for 21. He'll probably sit out the other half. John Wall, who earlier in the day on Thursday said he wanted to play in both halves of the back-to-back, then ended up missing the front end with an injury, so we don't know what the hell his status is for uh, Houston's next ball game. Eric Gordon... Oft-injured Eric Gordon pulled a groin in the third quarter, fourth quarter, third quarter of this ballgame. 
So Houston's just, they're cooked, man. Christian Wood, who we thought would be ready coming out of the All-Star break, they're saying that he's, his conditioning isn't there, so he's going to miss a couple more ball games. So now you're looking at a team that may or may not have John Wall, Gordon out, Depot out, Wood out, P.J. Tucker officially done until they trade him. And we're going to get a real long, hard look at the young guys right away. We didn't have to wait at all on this one. Kenyon Martin Jr. played 32 minutes in their ballgame on Thursday. Kevin Porter Jr., right? Yeah, Kevin Porter Jr. He played 29 minutes in their game on Thursday. Sterling Brown played 31. Jay Sean Tate, 30. Justin Patton had foul trouble. He had an ugly one. He played 24 minutes. Even if you put Wall in and Depot out on the other end of a back-to-back, or even if you play them both, you're still talking about copious minutes on the wing because they have now done the thing that we were waiting for, and they did it way sooner than expected. I thought P.J. Tucker was just going to quietly play for this team until he got moved, but they said, you know what, this is dumb. Like, we have nothing to play you for. There's no purpose here. Sit. So all those minutes we were talking about going into the All-Star break and then even coming out of it, and I thought, how many times... I, I began to feel guilty, actually, on this podcast that I was talking about the P.J. Tucker minutes so often on this team, and then it, it came around quick. It came around earlier than expected. So Tucker's out. His 30-plus minutes just popped loose, and Eric Gordon's hurt again because when isn't he? So his 30 minutes just popped loose. So all of a sudden, we're gearing up for March the 25th, 60-plus minutes just opened up on March 11th. Which, by the way, happy anniversary to the shutdown yesterday. Yeesh. Okay, so what does that mean? Because this this is worth talking about, and a number of these guys appear, actually, in, in our other lists for this portion of the broadcast. Kevin Porter Jr. is a must-add immediately because half of the guys that were standing in his way just disappeared overnight. Way faster than I expected, than most of us expected, I think. Even the folks that were high on Kevin Porter Jr., like... Uh, I, I did the big three, real big three yesterday with, with Bogman and Jonas. And uh, two episodes earlier, I think Jonas was like, keep an eye on Kevin Porter Jr. He's hanging out in their G League team. On yesterday's show in the afternoon, he and I were talking, and it was like, okay, well, you're probably going to have to sit on this guy for a couple of weeks, but then he could be really good. And then whammo, there he goes. So I didn't get him almost anywhere because I thought, all right, he's going to be a guy that gets added, and then he doesn't play for two weeks, he gets dropped, and then he gets picked up again. And that team's going to get the spoils. And in fact, he showed up quick. All right, so where are the minutes going to go on this team? That's the big question mark. And we don't have an exact answer to this yet. When Christian Wood comes back, he's going to play big minutes at center. So that will render Justin Patton probably useless at that point. He's not really good enough to warrant a ton of minutes at power forward, even if perhaps he steals a couple His backup minutes at center, 15, 16 minutes a game, whatever that is, that just won't be enough. So Patton is a streamer. That's a relatively easy one. Jay Sean Tate, we're starting to see some of his limitations rearing their head here. He's seeing a lot of power forward minutes, which is great, and he probably will, frankly, going forward, see most of the power forward minutes. But he doesn't do all that much besides slash and put up good field goal percent. He has free throw issues. He does get you some steals, but no real threes, no assists. Scoring is fine, but not great. 
Not going to help you much there. And so it may come down to whether or not he can get six-plus rebounds a ball game with Tate. He's less of a must-own, must-start guy than I thought now that we're getting sort of a longer look at what his stat, his stat set actually is. Sterling Brown at eight points, ten boards, and two three-pointers. He is a dead-eye three-point shooter and is having a great season in that respect. But I also think that his minutes probably get shuffled over to Daniel House when he comes back from injury. So I'm not super high on Sterling Brown. He feels a bit more short-term than anything. Ben McLemore, don't care. Kenyon Martin Jr., I don't have any idea where this explosion came from. 13-9 with three blocks. I'm not buying it unless I see it again. Uh, Kevin Porter, as we already talked about, he's a guy you add because they'll probably be evaluating whether or not he's going to be a core part of their future. And all of this could change again if Houston trades Victor Oladipo for anyone they want to actually play. If they trade him and all they pretty much get are expiring contracts and future assets, trade and draft assets back, then that opens up even more potential playing time for these young guys. So this could all happen quicker than expected, and we got to be all over the Rockets. So Porter, add, Depot, be careful, Wall, be careful, Patton, stream, Gordon's probably a drop. He hasn't been that good even when he's been in anyway. Who am I missing here? Brown, watch list. Kenyon Martin Jr., watch list. Tate, you can probably keep squatting on him, but he may be moving down towards the watch list also. And then Daniel House, also watch list. I don't think that you have to sit on any of those guys because none of them has been good enough to warrant it to this point. So we hit on some names there uh, that we'll cover later on in this segment. I want to do my last ad, which is Danilo Gallinari, who had kind of moved himself off of rosters under Lloyd Pierce, but he seems much more comfortable here. A couple of uh, pretty solid games under their new head coach. I don't know which Gallo we're going to get on a night-to-night basis. He's been alternating big ball games and terrible ones. His steals have been better lately. His shooting percentage is trending up a little bit. We know he's always going to be a great free throw percent guy. That's what floats his value when the other stuff is stinking. But as long as he's been good, then he should be in your lineup. So we'll keep that analysis somewhat simple. All right, let's zip through some of the other stuff because I think the ads are the most important ones. Streamers right now, the Raptors are still without half of their team. Stanley Johnson, DeAndre Bembry, both making a case to be streamed while the entire team is on the shelf with COVID. Kelly Olynyk, as long as Bam Adebayo is out, is a terrific streamer. And the aforementioned uh, mentioned Justin Patton on the Rockets. I know he had a dud, but he had actually been putting up sort of almost top 50 numbers as a starter prior to yesterday's total debacle of a ball game they're in a brutal brutal travel spot tonight traveling into altitude off the late game in sacramento so i don't know how many rockets you even want in your lineup in utah but who the hell knows like sometimes young guys get up for the rudy go bears and and go right at him or maybe he gets himself into foul trouble again who knows probably gets blocked a few times could almost guarantee that happens your holds guys that have been quiet lately that deserve a little bit more time uh Sadiq Bey has quieted down a bit and and this is sort of what we talked about he's just gonna sort of be a a simple plodding along top 100 type guy not gonna do anything to blow the roof off the building he'll have weeks where his three-pointers trend up 
He'll have weeks where his three-pointers trend down. It's probably going to level off somewhere in that 90 to 110 range, and he belongs on rosters. Daniel Tice, who continues to alternate between productive ones and less productive ones, tends to float things with a three-pointer here and there. We know his percentages are quite good. He's 125 on the season overall. Probably going to stick not that far away from that mark, especially now with Marcus Smart back, but he looked really good yesterday. Surely the Celtics have noticed that their Tristan Thompson-Daniel Tice lineups are among the worst lineups in the NBA, but who knows? Uh, So Tice is a hold, even if you're not starting him, just to kind of see how things are going. His buddy, the Time Lord, he's not on any of these lists because he's just been so damn good lately, but you can put him in the ads as far as I'm concerned if, if you really need to hear it again, which you shouldn't. Thad Young, Wendell Carter Jr. on the Bulls. They're holds for now. Neither one of them played many minutes yesterday as the Bulls got blown out by the 76ers. Larry Markinen and Otto Porter being back for Chicago does complicate the front court a little bit. But I wouldn't be surprised to see one of those four guys getting moved before the trade deadline. Maybe more. And Thad's been so damn good that he actually did it in 17 minutes yesterday. So uh, assuming he does play in a closer ball game in the minutes, get back into the mid-20s, I'm good on Thad Young. I'm a little more concerned about Wendell Carter Jr. because he wasn't a fantasy asset when Larry Markkinen was healthy earlier this year. And it seems like there are stretches where he just sort of gets played out of the center spot by Markkinen. I'm okay with you guys cutting Wendell Carter Jr. He hasn't been a 12-team guy, but for a week or two here and there so far this season. And overall, he's number 133. But similar ranking to Daniel Tice. So if I'm going to tell you to hold one, I got to tell you to hold the other. I got to be consistent. But I wouldn't kill you if you cut either of them, I suppose. It's not going to be the end of the world. Thad's the one I would punch you in the mouth if you cut him right now. Derek Rose is a hold. We're waiting on him to get back from COVID stuff. We still don't know if he actually has it or if it was a, an exposure. But he's right around the week mark here, so hopefully we'll be seeing him back. If we don't, then I think we can safely assume that he caught it, at which point you probably then move on because we've seen there's a long lag time for these guys getting their wind back. Drew Holiday still doesn't look anything close to what he was pre-COVID. Hopefully that does come around. By the way, we'll talk more about Drew here, uh, Drew here in a couple of minutes. Nerlens Noel is also on my hold list. He had a bad game yesterday against Milwaukee, but he's been absolutely brilliant as the starter in New York. The games, the three or four games he had going into the All-Star break, he was a top 30 guy for a couple of weeks there. Just monster defensive stats. Eight steals and ten blocks over a four-game span going into the All-Star break. So, yes, you'll forgive him a 2.1 rebound, two-block dud on Thursday night. Watch list, guys. Dudes that I've got one eye on, but they're not on my team yet. Cody Zeller, who's back, and he looked pretty good in his first game back. And if he goes on one of his little two- to three-week Zeller runs, then you'll probably want to ride it. Svi Mikhailiuk over in Detroit. This one came out of nowhere because... And you're like, Dan, that's that's idiotic. He played 37 minutes in the two games going into the All-Star break. Yeah, he did, but no Josh Jackson... No DeLon Wright. They were missing a bunch of guys in those games. Well, most of those guys were back yesterday, Thursday, and Svee still played 26 minutes and had a career-high eight assists, three threes, and two steals, and he's rostered nowhere. 
And I'm not saying you have to pick him up. That's why he's on our watch list. But I'll tell you what, if his minutes stay high in Brooklyn tomorrow, Saturday, I know you guys will be listening to this over the weekend, so I should make sure I say which day tomorrow corresponds to. If he plays 25 to 30-some-odd minutes on Saturday, you have to at least give him a look. He's actually showing that there's some fantasy stuff in there. And we never knew because he never really got any minutes. But we knew he could shoot the three ball. But what about these assists, these steals, these other things that are now actually in existence? Of course, the problem is if he doesn't play many minutes, he disappears real fast because you need the three balls to float the value because he's not going to rebound very much. Turnovers are needlessly high for someone who's uh, he passed in the last ball game, but generally doesn't. So keep a close watch on Svi. I didn't expect to have to say that at any point this year, but watch him. Watch list. Blake Griffin is on the watch list. I don't think we're going to have to do anything with him. Michael Carter-Williams is on the watch list, especially if Orlando starts to blow it up. Do they just let him play 35 minutes? Kira Lewis on the Pelicans had a good ball game on Thursday. Only 22 minutes. Just something to watch. That's why he's on the watch list. In case they move some guys out in front of him. Because he, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, that's the guy that everyone's been talking about as your potential stash but it's possible that Lewis actually moves into more of the point guard gig if, say, Lonzo is traded or Bledsoe is traded or both. And J.J. Redick is almost definitely gone, but he didn't even play in the ballgame anyway, so who cares there? It, you know, It's going to take a couple of guys moving out of the way because Brandon Ingram and Zion are going to chew up all of the usage on that team pretty much regardless. But point guards just have a way. Not a guy you have to pick up now. But if you hear about Lonzo getting traded and everybody else is picking up Alexander Walker, think about Kira Lewis. Alexei Pokachevsky on the Oklahoma City Thunder needs Baisley. He needs Baisley to be out. Uh, And he was in yesterday's ballgame. But Pokachevsky played 30 minutes at 14-8-3 with two blocks and two threes. Tons of fantasy upside there in Poku. Problem is, I don't see Baisley going anywhere, and they're probably not going to play those guys side by side. But you never know. You never know. Like, what if Horford goes into shutdown? Roby will see more center minutes, but would they dare slide someone else into a different... Like, does Dort have to play 30 minutes? Maybe. Does Ty Jerome have to play 27 Pokachevsky is part of the future there, so really watch that closely. If his minutes, and and he might end up being a streamer with benefits here. I, I don't, I don't have a good feel for how long Baisley is going to miss. I think he's considered day to day shoulder contusion. You know, we've seen shoulder contusions keep guys out for a little bit, but Baisley been pretty durable to this point. If he plays, and Poku still has a big ball game then he becomes an immediate add. But the problem here is that Pokachevsky really hasn't played at all this season. So, like, I think that's a pretty good indicator that he needs people to get out of his way. Yahoo doesn't even have a picture of the kid up yet. But he does have a hell of a block rate. Dude's seven feet. Total string bean. 19 years old, I think, right now. Absolute string bean. 7 feet, 200 pounder. He's averaging 1.2 blocks in 18 minutes a game. So that, like, that's actually a sustainable number. 
but it does. It sure seems like someone needs to get out of his way. So that's a reason why he's the watch list and not an ad. And I don't think he's even really a stash. Theo Maladon, his teammate, also on the watch list for me. He looks like he's starting to get a tiny bit more involved. Maybe we were just a, a, a week or two ahead of the curve when we had everybody picking him up like four weeks ago and he wasn't doing anything with his usage. We're now so close to the trade deadline that I don't think George Hill is coming back in any capacity. So for Maladon, he has fantasy limitations. He has usage rate issues. But he's close, so I've got him on my watch list, and uh, that rounds out the watch list. Drops! We'll do these somewhat fast. Dennis Smith Jr. is likely to be a drop. As soon as DeLon Wright's minutes hit 25, DSJ is out. Bruce Brown, drop him. Jeff Green back has rendered Brown useless. Blake Griffin will be playing, and that will render DeAndre Jordan the rest of the way useless. So both of those guys are drops. Kendrick Nunn is a near drop. I didn't have a category for near drop, so I just had to put him in the drop list on my notepad document here you don't have to drop him yet but as the heat get healthy he's going to be a guy that gets pushed out towards the periphery a little bit i threw duncan robinson on this list because he just hasn't had it this year and there's only so many weeks that i can say hold 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 you know what screw it move on he's number 161 and whatever signs he was showing of coming out of it at the end of february they've dissipated his cold stretches have just been a lot longer than his hot stretches this year, and he hasn't been very good. Bobby Portis is getting close to a drop, if he might not already be it. Now he's at 97 overall on the year and falling. Been outside the top 150 for a few weeks in a row. Brooke Lopez has been getting better over the last week and a half, and Portis has been tumbling over that same stretch. So we might be finally seeing Brolo hitting midseason form. And... The last man on my drop list is a, uh, it seems like Nick Batum might actually be a dump. Uh, I know he would have played more if that Clippers-Warriors game wasn't a complete and total blowout, but it looks like he's stuck even in a, in a closer ball game in that 25-minute range because the Clippers have Marcus Morris. He's going to play minutes. Kennard's going to play minutes. Surge. They, they have just too many bodies to balance for Batum to be getting 30 plus minutes like he did before Marcus Morris came back. So I just, I don't think there's quite enough time on the floor. Batum has turned himself into this era's sort of Marvin Thad type. Interestingly, Thad has turned himself not. He's, he's removed himself from the Marvin Thad bucket. But these are just guys that need 30 minutes to slowly compile enough rebounds, assists, steals, threes, while generally being low usage players and not hurting you almost any place. They just need to be out there longer than Batum is currently out there. And now here's something that, uh, this is my, my buys. I didn't have any cells act. Oh, no, that's not true. I do have a couple of cells on this list. I lied to you guys before I do the buy lows and sell highs, which I think are pretty fun in this week's edition. I do want to remind you guys of our partnership with the good folks over at MyBookie.ag. That is, they are arguably our most important partner, uh, mybookie.ag. Open up an account today with promo code HOOPBALL and let me know when you make your first deposit because I do have a small prize to give away to anyone that opens up an account and makes that first deposit. And then you guys can start getting down on the gambling stuff. It is a ton of fun and it works everywhere in Northern, uh, in North America. As far as I know, I haven't heard of anything, any issues there. Um, 
So get on that right now. My bookie, you bet, you win, they pay. And also, as Dan adjusts his bifocals, I never really thought I was going to be a Bitcoin guy, and I'm still not, but it is very easy to move cash into and out of my bookie's uh, online betting system using Bitcoin, which, if, if it scares you, because it, it also scared me, uh, it's, not that, it's not that crazy. You, you just have a company, you know, like Ameritrade handles stock portfolios, Coinbase and Robinhood and these other places, they handle uh, digital currency, cryptocurrency, and you can buy it like a stock. So you just buy X number of dollars of Bitcoin, and then you can use that to pay for things, or in this case, to deposit money into a sports betting account. And you can cash out in two days, as opposed to the old days where it took, you know, four weeks and you had to send them copies of your ID and all that crazy stuff. And not, not my book. I'm talking about online books 10, 15 years ago. So it's so fast. It's so easy. It does take a couple days to get all the Bitcoin stuff verified, but uh, it's been awesome. You, just, you can just move cash in and out as you please. And they pay fast, and you don't have to. You don't have to sit there worried. Like you could make a few bets and then cash out for a few days if you wanted to. If you were like, you needed a couple of bucks to pay for something else. So that to me is actually one of the coolest parts about my bookie uh, and just online betting in general these days. Again, open up an account with promo code Hoopball H W O P B A L L. It's on the third page of sign up where it asks for a promo code. In parentheses, it says optional, but not for you guys. We need you guys typing in that word hoop ball. And then when you're trying to figure out what to bet on, go get yourself a hoop ball 360 membership or a wager pass membership at hoop-ball.com. Wager pass, just $9.99 a month. That's 33 cents a day. You get plays and analysis from 10 industry pros who are winning a ton, winning a ton right now. Uh, Troy, I mean, this is actually completely insane. Our, our guy, Troy Markowski, is now 79-56 and 56 in the NBA this year. He's won 33.16 uh, units, meaning average bet size. That is crazy. Wow. What a, what a piece of work. Um, what a season. If you're betting $100 a game, you'd be up over three grand on his picks alone. By the way, can I remind you guys, Wager Pass is $9.99 a month. You don't think that th- that joint pays for itself? Sure does. Hoop-ball.com. Check out the premium subscriptions, the Fantasy Pass available as well for $4.99 a month. DFS Pass for $1.99 a month. All of them include access to the Hoopball Discord servers and the channels that correspond to those premium services. Buy low, sell high. Uh, I got two buys to throw out there. One of them I've mentioned on the podcast recently, and that's Derek White, who had a clunker coming out of the break, has top 50 upside, and hasn't come close to hitting it this year because he's really only been fully healthy for like two weeks. He had the injury to start the year, the slow ramp up. He had a couple of weeks where he was really starting to get into the groove, and then COVID knocked him out, and now he's back in another ramp up period. And I'm sure his owners are thinking, am I ever actually going to get some kind of return on this investment? The answer is, don't let them. Go take him from them, and you get the return on that investment. Derek White, who we mentioned earlier this week, is currently ranked number 157 in nine category leagues, and he's played in only nine games this year. Brutal, right? 
He's doing that in 24 minutes while mostly hurt. Shooting 37% from the field, 79% at the free throw line. There is nothing about his line so far this year that corresponds to what he actually can do when he's out there playing 30 minutes and healthy. 11 points, almost two threes, one and a half rebounds, almost four assists, a steal, a block. The steals and the blocks always been high. The percentages will come way up. The scoring, the assists, the rebounding, all of that stuff is just at its absolute lowest point right now. And if you can go get him for, you know, somebody in the 90s, like a Kevin Herter, I don't know if somebody would still want Kendrick Nunn in your league. Mason Plumley would be a great one. Evan Fournier, Serge Ibaka. These would be great guys to offer up for Derek White because those guys have actually been better than him to this point. It's not a fleecing. You're giving up someone who's been better. I don't know that I don't know that I would go much higher than that. Like you're probably not going to get him for a Nick Batum. TJ McConnell, if people are worried about that, maybe you could flip him out there. Thad. That's a pot Justin Holiday in Indiana. There's a lot of names. I mean, these guys are ranked in the 70s and 80s, and I would still give them up for Derek White. There's a lot out there I would do for him. Drew Holiday, another dude coming back from COVID that I think is a terrific buy low right now. Drew is ranked number 32. He was inside the top 25 for most of the year. He's struggled since coming back. His minutes have been lower. He hasn't gotten his game back, but he's going to get there. And so I wonder, and maybe you let this thing linger a little bit longer. Yeah, I realize I just said linger longer. Uh, The guys that are ranked around Drew Holiday that you could consider trading for him, his teammate, Chris Middleton, who's having almost another 50-40-90 year, but simply doesn't have the upside of a Drew. Uh, Jeremy Grant, who just had a much bigger ballgame than Drew Holiday, you could consider serving up for him. Brandon Ingram, Malcolm Brogdon, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, maybe, although... I think you're almost you're selling a little bit low on that one. You think you get Drew Holiday for Julius Randle? You might. Kyle Lowry, Pascal Siakam. Go try to get Drew Holiday. And be willing to to spend a little bit. Uh the guys ranked in front of him right now. I don't know that I would offer those guys up aside from maybe DeMar DeRozan. Because even if Drew gets going, there's no guarantee he gets back past those guys, climbs maybe two, three slots. The key here is that you may have someone who's seen what he's done lately and is worried they're just not going to get anything close to what he was doing pre-COVID. So that's what you're trying to take advantage of there. And a couple of sell guys right now. Kevin Porter Jr., who had a first-round level line in his one game so far this year. If you can move him... For someone inside the top 75, I think you just do it. Like, go flip him out there and uh, see if he can net you, like, uh, mm, who might you be able to get? Boy, 70, these guys are pretty good around there. Markinen, Malik Beasley, who's suspended for another two weeks. That's a possibility. Mitchell Robinson. I don't want slow-mo. I'd rather have Kevin Porter Jr. there as the Grizz get healthy. 
Uh, let's see who else is in that range. Mm, Jordan Clark, Jonas Valanciunas, maybe seventy-seven. Delon Wright, Marcus Smart. There's some very interesting guys you could try to acquire in the seventies and eighties for Kevin Porter Jr. Who there's no guarantee he plays more than twenty minutes in their next ball game. It, you just don't know. You can try to take advantage of the unknown in the same way that you could do it with a Karis Levert. Levert is number 88 in nine-category leagues so far this year in relatively high-usage situations. He's playing 28 minutes a game with Brooklyn before the trade, 12 games. You had uh, Kyrie sitting out a bunch of those games. Remember, he had the disappearing act earlier this year. Kevin Durant had some games he missed with nagging stuff, rest type of thing. So Levert was kind of a show for stretches in Brooklyn. He wasn't the third wheel in all 12 of those games. I think it was the third wheel only in a handful of them. And he averaged 18 points and a half. Almost two threes, four boards, six assists, a steal and half a block. Bad field goal, bad free throw, and uh, turnovers were fine. There is no guarantee that he gets back to this mark in Indiana. Karis LeVert might not be a top 100 nine-category guy. We don't know. I mean, this is what he was putting up in almost 17 shots a game. You think he's just sliding in with the Pacers and taking 17 shots a game? I don't. Heavily reliant on usage rate to get to his fantasy value markers. Uh, Even if his inefficiency went up, which there's no guarantee that he would... He needs to be out there for extended minutes to get the steals, to get the boards, to get the assists. Like, I don't know that Karis LeVert's a top 90 guy the rest of the way. He's very much a a guy that needs to be added. But I would be trying to trade him on the news of his return. Because I can promise there will be some letdowns in the first few weeks, at the very least. The guys ranked around Karis LeVert right now, Kemba Walker... Uh, Buddy Heald, Brandon Clark, Joe Harris, Marcus Smart. I would trade him for any of those guys in a heartbeat. The dudes around him that I probably wouldn't trade him for, Batum, Jeremy Lamb, Justin Patton. There are some pretty damn good players in there where someone might be looking at Karis LeVert and thinking, upside, but they may have forgotten that he kills you in percentages. Terrific points league option, by the way. But not quite as robust in category leagues. Go see if you can get someone else uh, in the 75 to 90 range for Karis LeVert. Just go see what you can get. He's a sell high to me because I, I don't think he gets to that point. And if he does, I don't think it's happening for at least a few weeks. I just, I still, I really don't think it's happening. Brogdon and Sabonis would have to give up way too many shots. Brogdon's taking 18 shots a ball game. Demonis Sabonis is taking only 15. Where are these looks coming from for Karis LeVert? You could take all of Doug McDermott's looks, and it still wouldn't get him anywhere near where he'd need to be. So I'm not quite as high on LeVert as others are. I, I like it. Again, he's a guy that needs to be added because he's, he's coming back now. But I think he's more valuable as a trade ship today, before he plays on Saturday, tomorrow, than he is as an actual fantasy basketball player the rest of this year folks this is your mid show reminder to please participate in our rate the pod contest spin on over to the podcast app or itunes search for fantasy nba today leave a five-star review write a message and screenshot it to at dan Bespris on twitter d-a-n-b-e-s-b-r-i-s 
or email it to teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. And, I haven't done this in a little while, recruiting pitch time. We've had a lot of you guys write in for some really cool stuff. I am putting out a recruiting pitch because we are looking for folks on the social side of things. If you have a strong background in social, hit me up either on Twitter or email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com for more details. The recruiting pitch is in process. Weekend look-ahead time here on the pod because we're running a little bit long. It always does. It always happens on these weekend shows. Tonight, seven-game slate. We're going to go through uh, all 30 teams' next ball games. Denver is at Memphis. For the Grizzlies, come on, play D'Anthony Melton, you sons of guns. Jaron Jackson Jr. is still a couple weeks away. Uh, with Memphis, every single game, we're just trying to get a feel for who the hell is going to play 24 minutes or more. What a pain. I haven't gotten too many updates on the Nuggets. It sounds like Paul Millsap is questionable, so this is about as close as he's been in a while. And Millsap was actually playing really well prior to Alex Caruso falling into his knee and spraining it. Uh, Millsap was on one of the best runs he's had in, like, two seasons. It's hard to quantify, but good percentages. He was getting steals, blocks, assists, threes. No, he's not a must-add guy. Even if he plays, there's no guarantee he moves back into that role because now Michael Porter Jr. is healthy, and a lot of those power forward minutes are ending up with him. But uh, Denver, that's what you're watching for there. Who's back, and uh, does it amount to anything? Philly at Washington. Sounds like Joel Embiid is back. We still don't have a report on Ben Simmons. If he's out, you can stream Matisse Thibault. Washington, they're a whole load of nothing beyond Bradley Beal, basically, at this point. I'm still rolling with Davis Bertans on my bench in games cap formats, uh, holding out this weird fleeting hope that is, uh, well, as it's described, fleeting. Cleveland, Larry Nance back. He's not on the injury report. I can't wait to see what happens there. Probably won't play 30-some-odd minutes his first game back, but uh, there's plenty of room for him on that roster. And Kevin Love is questionable, so he's not that far away either. Also a guy that should be added as the Cavs look to get a big boost to their offense, uh, defense and offense, respectively, between those two guys. Pelicans, uh, I don't think we see any uh, large-scale changes yet, but again, keep a close watch on some of those backdrop guys, and if they make any moves, that's when you do something. The Heat, it's Bam is sort of the only question mark. If he's out, Olenek. Chicago, this is a team we're watching very closely because suddenly they have like six small and power forwards and centers that are all vying for the same couple of minutes. I'm hoping and predicting that Thad Young still gets enough to do some fantasy stuff because he's been too damn good for them. Wendell Carter Jr. actually hasn't been too damn good for them. So there's a very real possibility that he fades a little bit here. Orlando at San Antonio Magic are without pretty much everybody. That's why the Spurs are favored by 7.5 points. Spurs are... I think they'll be okay. DeMar DeRozan is questionable for this one, personal stuff, so that's uh, probably why the line isn't above 10. Your, your window to buy on Derek White is very short. Like, it probably ends at around 6 o'clock Pacific time Friday night. So move on that today. Don't screw around with that one. Uh, the Magic, yeah, I mean, Michael Carter-Williams should probably have enough today to go on. Vooch is going to be doing everything himself. 
And then you'll have weird pop-up games from guys like Dwayne Bacon and Gary Trent or whoever the hell else is playing out there. I don't have the stones to stream those guys. Uh, Michael Carter-Williams is the closest thing I would consider to uh, a short-term stream here. Houston in Utah on the back-to-back. This is we, we spent a lot of time in the earlier part of the show talking about the Rockets, so just watch this one real closely. See who's in, who's out, how the minutes are getting distributed. They, they've been a true embarrassment. They've lost 14 straight games. Christian Wood hasn't played in any of those, and their their whole season fell apart in an instant. Um, I You know, would I stream Justin Patton against Rudy Gobert in the Jazz? Uh, yeah, I probably would. It's a bad matchup, though. I just don't know what else. How? where else are they going to find a center? He'll just have to play until he gets six fouls, basically. Utah, nothing. Indy, Karis LeVert not playing in this ballgame. Remember, he's back in the next one. So uh, not a ton on this Friday Indiana game. Uh, There will be more on the Saturday one, and certainly you'll be watching Karis LeVert in that one. On the Lakers, Anthony Davis set to be reevaluated after this ballgame. So we'll have a better idea of his timetable. And uh, no one really capitalized with AD out. Kuzma was a little bit better, but not good enough. Schroeder did a little more, but not quite enough. Montrez Harrell was probably your closest thing to uh, a bump that you know moved him from not quite fantasy useful to mostly fantasy useful, but it was really... I mean, you're splitting hairs at that point. Turn the clock forward to Saturday, 8-gamer. You would think that'd be everybody, but I don't believe it is. The Knicks are in Oklahoma City to take on the Thunder. Knicks looking to bounce back after getting smoked by the Bucks. We'll wait and see on Derrick Rose's status in that ballgame. For the Thunder, uh, Baisley is your your questionable guy. If he's out, then you probably stream Pokachevsky because he was great. Although the Knicks do like to slow it down, so not a, not a terrific spot for piling up stats. Still, you can get some blocks against him. You can get some blocks against him. Detroit, we're watching Svee. I can't believe I said it. Uh, the minutes for DeLon Wright also on the docket. Brooklyn, not a whole lot, really, to keep tabs on there. This will be Blake Griffin's debut, most likely. Uh, it'll probably be ugly. Maybe not. Maybe he plays well. I don't know. They've got so much offensive talent on that team. All he's got to do is post up a small guy, draw a double, and get it to a wide-open player. But look, you know, Harden and Kyrie are still there. I don't expect much out of that. Toronto, we'll find out if any of their guys are back in Charlotte. Cody Zeller is the uh, the Charlotte guy you're keeping tabs on. Devontae Graham, as his minutes start to ramp back up, but he wasn't a fantasy asset in nine category leagues even before he went down with the knee stuff. But maybe that was part of it. Toronto, as we mentioned, uh, Stanley Johnson, DeAndre Bembry, you could maybe squeeze those guys in, but I'm not super excited about it. You'd kind of have to be chasing threes and steals or really just steals if it's Bembry, uh, but because we've seen his percentages actually uh, hurt you a bunch in Atlanta in previous years. Milwaukee at uh, Washington, Bucks. You know, if Brooke Lopez is starting to get locked in on the defensive side, that totally changes the Bucks. And for the Wizards, they're just going to keep throwing punches because thanks to the play-in tournament, they're not eliminated and won't be for a while. Sacramento, can they make it two in a row? Atlanta, can they make it three in a row? Uh, Kings back out on the road. Hawks, I don't expect the Kings to double-team Trey Young, which means the Hawks are going to score a crap ton of points, and this one could be a uh, high-scoring affair. But, um, you know, with Clint Capella healthy, 
And Atlanta playing a little bit better these days than... No, maybe, are the Hawks going for four in a row? Or did they lose their last ball game? No, they won it. They beat Toronto by one. It was a tight one. Uh, on a, Tony Snell, I think, was the game winner in that one, if I'm remembering correctly. Sorry, guys. My brain's a little mushy these days. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Hawks are not blowing anybody out. They're not world beaters at this moment. And uh, for the Kings, this is sort of the player's last stand. If you don't win a few games, it's detonate time. That could actually be a pretty good motivator. Portland in Minnesota. Wolves just waiting on D'Angelo Russell. And then Malik Beasley's suspension. Blazers, we would love an update on CJ or Nurk. But otherwise, not much going on there. Indy, we already talked about them on the back-to-back in Phoenix. That's a tough game to get going in, but that's where they'll drop Karis Levert. Suns, nothing. Mavs, uh, if healthy, we've seen a pretty good run here from Maxi Kleba. Jalen Brunson, he had a big one with Luka and KP sitting it out, but I still wonder if he can keep that thing going the rest of the way. I I am skeptical that Brunson is a true 55% shooter now, but you know what? He's stuck it in my eye to this point, and I've rolled with him in a few spots as a result. And on Sunday, uh, a couple of teams that I don't believe play on Friday or Saturday. There's got to be somebody in there, right? Boston, yeah, we'll keep tabs on their big man and then the minutes for Marcus Smart. The Clippers, they're largely without fantasy storyline. And that is your weekend preview. And that is your one hour long and one minute edition of Fantasy NBA Today. Again, quick reminder here as we close things out. Social, if you want to get involved on the hoopball side and you've got some aspirations there, hit me up at Dan Vespers on Twitter or email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Those same destinations where you send... Your podcast review screenshots. Last chance, folks. Again, cutting it off this weekend to get involved and win the cash gambling prize here as part of the Rate the Pod competition. Sign up for an account at MyBookie with promo code HoopBall. Get something at Manscaped with promo code HoopBall20. And if you haven't checked it out already, head on over to expressvpn.com slash HoopBall. That's the URL to get 15 months for the price of 12 Follow me on Twitter. I'll talk to you there. Have a great weekend, everybody. Reverse chronological lightning round coming up on Monday when we circle back around, and it'll be sooner than you know it. Man, we're in it, aren't we? Playoffs not that far off and head-to-head. Whatever. We'll talk about that later. So long, everybody. Have a great weekend. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.